Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, mm. researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Mm. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Friday, December 16th. We are just over a week away from Christmas. Hope you're getting that shopping in because the NFL will give you no quarter this weekend. We got a game last night. We get three more tomorrow. Full slate on Sunday and back again on Monday night. Dennis, it's the most wonderful time of the year. How are you celebrating? By winning fantasy championships. I also came prepared. I thought it was a diehard kind of day, so I'm wearing my Nakatomi Plaza Christmas Party 1988 t-shirt today. Right. You know, got to get in this festive spirit, all the spirits. You know, who else was in a festive spirit is the 49ers who punched their ticket to the playoffs and became, I think they're the first team to outright win their division. The Eagles were the first team to clinch a playoff spot, but the 49ers winning the NFC West with a 21 to 13 victory over the Seattle Seahawks last night. Dennis Brock Purdy is 2-0 as a starter. He's won all three of the games where he's played significant minutes and against some de- some decent teams. Uh, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Seattle Seahawks, all three who are in the playoff hunt. Is Brock Purdy good enough to le- help lead the 49ers to a Super Bowl? So I don't think we know yet. I think we're speculating. Last night on the BSN Dynasty Nerd Show, we did a redraft of the 2022 rookie draft class and um, 
happy guitarist on Twitter, Peter Bartuski, who runs the nerd social media now and does the newsletter or whatnot. He took Brock Purdy in the second round um, of his uh, of the rookie draft. We did a three round rookie draft, and you know, as we were, I was sitting here and I was kind of thinking about because you know, the game. You know, Baltimore won with Trent Dilfer and Tampa won with Brad Johnson. So I don't see any reason with the San Francisco defense that they can't win with Brock Purdy. They don't need a lot from him. He needs to not turn the ball over. He needs to make the plays he's supposed to make. And if, you know, George Kittle keeps busting plays or Christian McCaffrey keeps busting off plays or uh, Brandon Ayuk or when Debo gets back, They've got a really good offensive line, maybe the best offensive left tackle in the game, and their defense is stout. Um, it, I, yeah, I don't see why not, but they I don't think they can win in a shootout. If their defense holds up, then I think they can win. Um, I don't think they're going to blow you know teams out in the playoffs like they did Seattle. Um, and while I guess we'll – yeah, I would say the most impressive game was probably the Tampa Bay one. They they really came out and just clocked the 49ers up or the Buccaneers. That game probably could have been more lopsided if they would have had to try in the second half. Yeah, Tampa, but Tampa's offense interior offensive line is really, really poor. And it's been that way all season. And and you know, we expect that from them. So I I think Purdy is doing good. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't, we don't know what his ceiling is. We know he came into college football at Iowa state and he played well and he started a lot of games. He's got good experience. He played four years in college. Um, But I don't know that he's, you know, he doesn't have, you know, a passing ceiling like Mahomes. He doesn't have a rushing ceiling like Hertz. So it's, you know, he's what, Mac Jones? Maybe Mac Jones a little bit plus. You know, can Jimmy you win G. the Super Bowl with those guys? Yeah, if you've got the right team around them, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. I, th- I think there's still questions what this opens up now, too, is with how well he's played and if they close the season strong, what happens next year? Because, you know, we haven't exactly seen Trey Lance take off. You would argue also we haven't exactly seen him get much of a shot. Um, but a lot of questions there for San Francisco. Maybe good questions. Uh, on the flip side for Seattle, they're now 7-7. Seven and seven. They The next two weeks they have the Chiefs and then the Jets. They close with the Cardinals, which you would think is probably a more winnable game. But what does this do to their playoff chances? Um, it, it puts them on the ropes. You know, they, they need Walker to get healthy and stay healthy. Uh, as good a Cinderella story as Geno is, and he's been great for fantasy, and he did get 13 points and change last night, but um, they need to have a balanced attack for him to perform well. And last night with virtually no and, – and granted, the lack of running game could have been because of San Francisco, not necessarily because they weren't uh, executing plays. But if they, have, if they have a decent running game and can offset – and keep the defense uh, off balance, 
then I, I think they have a chance to to make a run at a wild card spot. I just think their defense has let them down, um, especially down the stretch here. They gave up more than 100 yards rushing to McCaffrey. Jordan Mason came in and had almost uh, – he had over 60 yards. I think it was close to 70 yards. Yeah, he broke, but he broke off that one big run. That was most of which was at a point in time where all they needed was a stop to try to have a chance to get this. Right. So that's also not incredible. I just, they, there's a few teams that started out the season well and probably played way over where we thought they were going to be because Seattle is one of those teams that going into the season, a lot of us thought they would be kind of in the, the lottery and they will have a lottery type draft pick at the top of the order. Thanks to their uh, trade with the Broncos, but <laughs> they've played a little bit better uh, than expected, but Definitely not in a great spot right now. Well, on to the rest of the week 15 slate, the first week probably of fantasy playoffs for you, unless you're like me and realize that one of your leagues started the playoffs last week. Um, it pays to pay good attention, boys and girls. Sometimes you miss things. But you know, we I, was all... doing, I was watching this debate on, on Twitter. Do you set your lineups if you're in a consolation bracket? Why would you, you know, why would you do that? And I thought to myself, well, I kind of set my lineup because I've got 26 teams and I'm not always sure if I've got to buy, if there's something, is there something we're playing for in the consolation bracket? So I just set my lineups and just let's set them all. Let me make sure. Err on the side of caution. Uh, well, we do have a full Saturday slate this week. Uh, three games, two during the day, and one in prime time, and that kicks off with the four, eight, and one Indianapolis Colts at the ten and three Minnesota Vikings. Dennis, the Colts coming off of a bye week. Jeff Saturday playing on a Saturday. What do you think he will? Have, for. I know uh, you got you got to squeeze it in. We we only have one shot. Uh, what do you expect from this team coming off their bye week? You know, I think. I think the Colts are going to feature a little more running back. You know, Jonathan Taylor for fantasy has had a pretty disappointing season. He's been injured. The team didn't, um, hasn't performed overall as well as I think was expected. But the Vikings give up the fifth most receptions to running backs. And if nothing else has happened in uh, Indianapolis, they're starting to use Jonathan Taylor in all facets of the game. They give up the most receiving yards to wide receivers in the NFL and the most uh, second most fantasy points to wide receivers do the Vikings. So the opportunity is there for it to be a wide open field and Jonathan Taylor to get decent run from running the ball because he'll be he'll have space and then also rack up a few uh, PPR points as well. Yes, Michael Pittman, please, Agent Buddy. On the flip side, the uh, Minnesota Vikings are ten and three. Um, they can clinch the NFC North with a victory, but there's still a lot of questions about the Vikings. Nine of their ten wins have been by a single score. They got fairly well manhandled by the Cowboys earlier this season and by the Lions last week. What do you hope to see from them? Well, you know the Col Dalvin is has had some not great games, but the Colts give up the 12th most rush yards and 11th most passing yards to running backs. And we all know Dalvin is a three down threat, excellent wide receiver, or excuse me, receiving back. Um, and they give up the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. 
Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a function of how poor they are against running back, so teams just don't pass. Uh, I suspect Justin Jefferson is going to get his, but it may be a little more dicey for Adam Thielen. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I like Dalvin Cook in this game. This shapes up to be a good game for him. I always wonder, too, with some of these teams that aren't very good, that have been down a lot, do your rushing versus passing stats get skewed because teams are up big and they're just grinding you down? Right. Uh, I'm taking the Vikings. So am I. On to Cleveland, where the Baltimore Ravens, 9-4, and four, come into battle the 5-8 and eight Cleveland Browns. Lamar Jackson is out again. Tyler Huntley has a good chance to play. They, they, uh, what I heard this afternoon was they didn't go so far as to call it a lock. But we know J.K. Dobbins is back. With J.K. Dobbins back in the fold against what's been a sometimes suspect rush defense, do the Ravens have enough offense to get this game done? Yeah, you know, the Browns give up the third most fantasy points to running backs, and J.K. Dobbins came off of IR like a rocket. Um, well, a hobbled rocket. You know, if you saw that 40-plus yard run, there was definitely a noticeable limp in there. An Elon um, Musk rocket? Yeah. So, you know, and I think having J.K. Dobbins back is beneficial to Gus Edwards because even in that game, Gus averaged five yards a carry with Dobbins back. Um, and Gus had had struggled a little bit before Dobbins came back. Um, you know, there's still going to be issues with the passing weapons for Baltimore uh, with Rashad Bateman out. But, you know, they've got Mark Andrews. Demarcus Robinson is playing. Seems like every other game he's playing well, uh, kind of in that routine, Devin DuVernay. But I think the the ability for them to run the ball against the Cleveland defense is there. I've given up on DuVernay, by the way, because you just you cannot count on him. That the passing offense has been a real roller coaster. Even with Mark Andrews, it's been a little bit yeah, of a roller coaster. Andrews hasn't had a great year. Watson uh, took a pretty good step forward last week. Now he's at home here, uh, first home game, I believe, because they were on the road the last two weeks. Against a division opponent, uh, it seemed like he started to get a connection going with Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Amari Cooper. What does he need to do to get the win here? I think he just needs to keep progressing. The, you know, He's trying to shake off almost two full years of rust, and he's on a new team with new weapons that he hasn't had as much practice time with. He's going to get there. I think they need to run the ball and and just sort of keep doing what they're doing. I don't. I know that everybody wants to get the playoffs, and you can't win if you're not in. Um, but I, I almost feel like I guess the Browns don't have their pick, so not winning doesn't really help them. Um, but they've got weapons. You know, they need – they went away from using Chubb against Houston for whatever reason. And they need to use it. It's been up and down. Like the first game, it was a lot of Amari Cooper. The second game, it was a lot of Donovan Peoples-Jones, David and Joku. So they've got weapons. He just needs to play within himself, let the offensive line protect, and, and just take the plays that are there. And, and I think he's coming around. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. This was his best game in two years. 
At least he's staying consistent, though, because Kareem Hunt is on a milk carton somewhere. Yeah. Uh, despite that, I am taking the Cleveland Browns for this one. Yeah, I, you know, I struggled with this one. That's why I don't have it on the sheet. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Browns, too. Why not? The nightcap on Saturday is arguably the best game of the three with the 8-5 and five Miami Dolphins heading to Buffalo to battle the 10-3 and three Bills. The Dolphins got the better of the Bills earlier this season in Miami, but this will be decidedly different conditions. It's supposed to be very cold and around seven inches of snow. Miami has struggled the past two weeks because they haven't been able to establish much of a rushing attack, which is something you would think would be important in adverse outdoor conditions. What is this game condition going to do to Miami's offense? Well, McDaniel has spent all week trying to trying to psych out the Dolphins about the weather. You know, he's wearing the I like it cold T-shirts. The weather don't matter or whatnot. Yeah, but he's also wearing T-shirts and shorts, and it's right, right. He's in Florida, so right. But you know, the we we've seen players have great games in snow, uh, in part because the offense knows where they're going and the defense doesn't. They have to react, and reacting on that type of that type of field is easier or not as easy as acting on that type of field. It's all about timing, and it's going to be – I think it's going to be difficult, but the it, the opportunity does exist that, you know, they're going to go with a short game. They're going to let the guys run with the ball. That That's what they do, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Um, you know, maybe that, uh, that vaunted uh, Shanahan running game pops its head up and, and uh, they open up some lanes and break off some big chunks there. Um, it, it's going to be it, – it's really going to be all about the timing. If, if Buffalo can disrupt the timing with the wide receivers, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, and I think what's hurt Miami the last couple of weeks is they seem to be basing their offense on a lot of big boom plays. And when you have these kind of conditions, it's harder to hit that 75-yard bomb because there's usually wind and stuff involved. They need to probably have a little more consistency of driving the ball. Um, which is a little bit of what they, you know, that's what plagued them against the Chargers. They had a 55-yard fumble return for a touchdown. They had a 60-yard passing touchdown. They only had 17 points. On the flip side, Josh Allen got his favorite security blanket, Cole Beasley, back this week. Do you expect to see him much, and what do you expect the impact to be? You know, I feel like if he was better than McKenzie and Shakir, they would have already had him on the team. Um, security blanket, I get it, but is he better? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I almost, I almost feel like it was a pity signing that you know they're going to bring him back and just keep him around just in case, and then let him retire as a Buffalo Bill. I don't know. Maybe he's got a little bit left in the tank, but you know, 31 other teams didn't think so either. Yeah, I don't expect a ton this game. I think this is also going to be, from a fantasy standpoint, that classic Josh Allen game where he has like three rushing touchdowns and because passing might be a little more difficult. Uh, I am taking the Buffalo Bills. As am I. On to the Sunday slate, the 12 and 1 Philadelphia Eagles head to Chicago to battle the 4 and 9 Chicago Bears. Dennis, we are in the fantasy playoffs. There's a huge point spread here. The Bears defense has not been good this season. 
any concern for you at all that the Eagles get up and start resting starters? No, I don't think so because I, I, I feel like the Bears will keep it close, like within two scores, 10 points kind of close, not necessarily like 14 points. Uh, I I think the Bears are going to be able to, to move the ball. Um, you know, the Eagles, Eagles give up the 12th most rushing yards to quarterbacks, and the Bears – have arguably the best rushing quarterback in the league this year. Might be their um, entire offense. And he's, and he's off the injury report. So, you know, they don't have much with, you know, Mooney's out, Claypool's out. Yeah, it's, I was going to pivot to that. For So it, for the Bears, I mean, are you excited about Fields? Are you bullish about Fields? I, I don't know that I'm excited. You know, he's going to be under pressure. It's going to come down to – you know, how do they scheme him to get away from the pressure to be able to make plays? You know, he's been – he's got a connection with Cole Komet. That's going to be uh, on display. Montgomery's – I think he's just I, – I don't know if he's off the re, the injury report. Yeah, I didn't but, see him on the injury report. But he, he looks like he's going to be good to go. And But we've also seen Dante Pettis and we've seen Equinemius St. Brown – Byron Pringle, we've seen these guys make some plays. Um, and, you know, I feel like the Bears are going to keep it competitive enough that the Eagles are really going to um, – I don't know that they sit anybody. What they do is they rush it. It could be a Miles Sanders game. Yeah, I think the biggest concern for me with Chicago is a bye week does nothing to help the fact that their line's not very good, so – Probably a lot of quarterback rushing for Justin Fields. I am taking the Eagles. So am I. On to New Orleans, where the five and eight Falcons, who are still very much alive in the playoff race, head to battle the four and nine New Orleans Saints. Marcus Mariota went from bench to IR, so we get rookie Desmond Ritter, who some of us have wanted to see for a couple of weeks. What do you expect from Ritter in his first start? You know, I, he's going to be a little better passer than Mariota and not quite as good a runner. He's got good speed. Um, it, I don't know what to expect. This 2022 draft class, it was the first year, you know, I think it's arguable that Pickett was worth a first-round pick, and then everybody else took quite the tumble. I know Matt liked Ritter coming out a lot. He was his QB1. I think Ritter has the ability. He's got he's got to clean up his mechanics and that'll improve his accuracy. And he's had what 13 or 14 weeks of NFL coaching now, yeah. not counting training camp to be able to uh, work on that stuff. You know, that's you got to break habits when you're fixing that stuff and and that can take take a lot of time. I think Ritter is going to be fine. It, you know, he's he's got a couple weapons in Patterson and um, Drake London. And so I, I think it's going to be a decent game from a competitive standpoint. But he's a rookie quarterback. And uh, if Davenport and uh, Cam Jordan are healthy, it, it could be a, a little bit of an issue for him. Yeah, on Wednesday, Matt. Uh, was still real bullish on Desmond Ritter, thinks there's a chance they could win these last four and make it into the playoffs. I'm just excited to see him play. I think from Atlanta's standpoint, you got to know what you have right now because the way it's tracking, whoever we gets in 
to the NFC South is just going to have division winner as a nice trophy to take home because I don't think any of these teams can win a playoff game. Yeah. On the flip side for the Saints, you know, Alvin Kamara is still getting good volume, but we haven't seen that elite production either in yardage or touchdowns. We're in the fantasy playoffs now. How do you feel if you're relying on him as one of your top two RBs? You know, he, he should have uh, running lanes against that Atlanta defense. They're they're not a good defense. And I think uh, as long as Kamara stays healthy and they don't get cute, keep trying to put, you know, these uh, retread backup running backs like David Johnson in there to run the ball, just, just <laughs> let Kamara do it. Jesus Christ, what are you doing down there, Dennis Allen? Um, not even God knows what you're doing, Dennis Allen. <laughs> It's, you know, just let Kamara run it, throw it to Chris Olave and Juwan Johnson if if he's back. Those, he he does look like he's things. tracking to be back. That was big, good big news. I am taking the Saints in this one. I'm going to take the Saints too, but I don't think there's any winners in this game. No, I, I am also not planning to watch any of this game unless that's the only game I get stuck with. Thanks, network te- television. On to New York, where the six and seven Detroit Lions battle the seven and six New York Jets. Here it is going to be December 18th, and this is a meaningful matchup for the playoffs for both of these teams, which is something that we can get excited about. For the Lions offense, they that has been the best part of their team. The Jets defense has been the best part of their team. So that's where it's strength on strength. What can Jared Goff and this offense do to score against the Jets defense? You know, the Jets can be had deep, and that's where Detroit's going to have to win. In 10 of 13 games, the Jets have given up a pass play 30 yards or more. Um, 12 pass plays over 30 yards on the season. And we've seen what Jamison William has done since he's come back. DJ Chark has put up a, a big play. They've got Amon Ross St. Brown. So with the Detroit line that – for as good as it's played this year, has had some struggles here and there. Um, they're going to have to step up and, and give Jared Goff time. If they do, then I think uh, whoever's not being covered by Sauce Gardner has the potential to maybe um, make a big play. So I like Detroit's opportunity to pass the ball and make big plays. Yeah, and if Williams is out, that'll be uh, that'll be good for their for Detroit's offensive line and potentially for the running game. Yeah. I've I've been impressed on especially on this late stretch. Jared Goff has played very clean and not turned it over. I think that's going to be a key for them as well. On the flip side, speaking of turnovers, Mike White literally would have given his spine to be able to play on Sunday, but the Jets passed on did. that. Yeah, just about did. The Jets passed on that and are going back to Zach Wilson. What are you expecting from Wilson? You know, he's just – he's got to make decisions quicker. That's – you know, he, he looks – it seems like he gets hung up because he's trying to make every play a signature play. And I think he he's just got to go ahead and take what's there, make the plays that are there, let Garrett Wilson do what Garrett Wilson does, you know, let Bam Knight run the ball. Um you know, I know he was five and two as a starter, but it wasn't like he was racking up a ton of stats. 
Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. So if he can get himself together and just, if he truly learned from sitting out these last couple games, you know, maybe he does, maybe he does kind of, step up a little bit and, and put this back together. Uh, you know, he's got good arm talent. He can, he can sling the ball. Um, but I think he needs to be protected. And that offensive line is not terrific. Hopefully the uh, OC puts in some quick stuff. So he doesn't, uh, he isn't having to wait too long for him. I think it comes down to, he's just got to make quick decisions, trust what he's seeing. My theory is Robert Sala was going against a team that had Garrett Wilson on their squad in the fantasy playoffs, and he wanted to give himself a chance. I am taking the Lions. I am, too. I think they're going to keep this hot streak up. Lion pride. On to Carolina, where Pittsburgh Steelers are 5-8, and eight, so are the Panthers, but the Panthers are actually in the playoff race. Welcome to the NFL in 2022. We'll start with the Steelers. Najee Harris had another good game last week. He's been on a hot streak since coming back from the bye. Can he keep it up here against Carolina? I think so. You know, the Panthers are top nine in giving up rush yards to running backs. So this is a perfect game for Harris to – get you know it's a great 28 carry kind of game eat up the clock but because they're bottom nine in passing to the running back so they're really good against receiving backs and not good against thumpers and so this sets up to be a a nice game for Najee Harris to just run the ball uh I think with Trubisky back under center and his experience I think allows him a little more check down the, the, I don't, I don't want to say desire, but you know, he's more likely to check it down to the quarter uh, running back um, rather than try to make a big play. And uh, so there may be a little bit of that there, but you know, they've got a couple of really good receivers, but I like what Najee Harris is set up to do. Like wouldn't surprise me if he has 28 carries this week. If Deontay Johnson has a stay, apparently it's going to be Mason Rudolph because I guess he, even though it's it's funny, Deontay Johnson's stats have been better with Trubisky than any of the other quarterbacks, and yet he's somehow always trying to throw him under the bus. On the uh, flip side for Carolina, since Sam Darnold came back, they've been on a hot streak. Can they get another win here and keep applying the pressure to Tampa Bay? I mean, keep up his streak of passing for under 170 yards with just one touchdown. What what matters the most are the Ws. 
Uh, well, I'm not getting W's when my quarterback passes for 170 yards. Not the fantasy W's. <laughs> I, I, it's about fantasy, man. You know, I, the steel. I I don't think so this week. I think he's he's in for a handful. Um, J, uh, TJ Watt, really good pass rusher. Uh, Cam Hayward, really good against the run and very stout. They've got a, a couple linebackers that can, you know, do some things uh, in coverage. And so it's I, as, as much as I want a Sam Darnold redemption tour, um, I'm not sure that it continues this week. You know, Steve Wilkes also doesn't care about your fantasy team with his three-man rotation in the backfield. Uh, despite that, I am actually taking the Panthers at home. I'm taking the Steelers. On to Jacksonville, where the Jaguars, 5-8, and eight, but still in the playoff hunt, host the 10-3 and three Dallas Cowboys. Dennis, last week, the Cowboys had to go right down to the wire to beat the one-win Texans at home. Was that a blip on the radar or a little bit of a worrying sign? Uh, I think it was just a blip. I think they were looking two weeks ahead to Philadelphia. And uh, that game last week. Michael Parsons go- still is looking ahead to Philadelphia, apparently. <laughs> And, and that's making – I think that kind of opened their eyes that, hey, we better focus on what we're doing. I think they're going to go into Jacksonville uh, with the intention of, of getting right. Um, I love Trevor Lawrence and, and the long-term uh, potential of Jacksonville, but I just think this is a Dallas week. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a good game for Tony Pollard. The Jags give up the third most receptions to running backs in the NFL. And, uh, you know, while Zeke Elliott is a good pass-catching running back, he just doesn't have the the explosiveness that Tony Pollard has at this stage in Zeke's career. He's a, he's a grinder and he's a touchdown vulture, um, but I think Pollard is going to put up some good numbers. Yeah, and on the flip side, Trevor Lawrence was great last week, but uh... – you know, we've seen him a little up and down this season, faces a really stout challenge against Dallas. How would you feel about him if you were trying to rely on him in the fantasy playoffs? I'm going to be nervous. Um, you know, he's going to need to have his guys get open early. Um, Trayvon Diggs last season was all about the interceptions. He's making plays on the ball. This year, not quite as many interceptions, but he's become um, – a better cornerback last year. It was more about, I just want to make interceptions. He w- would get burnt uh, this year. Not so much this year. Diggs is playing really well. And so it will be interesting to see who he ends up on. Uh, we saw Evan Ingram have a monster game. Uh, we've, we've seen Zay Jones. We've seen Marvin have good games and Christian Kirk is, has been earning the money they paid him. Um, but it's just, it's going to be, I, this feels like a low dot game. Trevor's going to have to get the ball out early. Um, and then the Cowboys do give up the 10th most rushing yards to running backs. So possibly. Uh, if only Jacksonville had a running back. Travis Etienne could, could take some pressure off. And he's got the speed that if he gets through, he could take it a long, long way. He's fast. Um, but it'll all come down to. Short passing game, getting the ball out quick to avoid that pass rush. 75 targets, Devin Ingram would be nice for me. Uh, I am taking the Cowboys. So am I. 
Uh, on to Houston, where the Texans, the 111-1 Texans host the 10-3 and Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I asked this about Philly, but it might be even more of an issue here. Any worry that the uh, Chiefs get up and maybe take the foot off the gas with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Well, didn't we ask this about Dallas last week? Dallas. Yeah, but Mike McCarthy isn't the coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, I think this is the this is a game that, that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Pacheco has a 20, 25 carry game. Hell, he might even catch a pass. Um, but I can see, you know, fourth quarter being backups uh, in this game. You know, Houston's playing hard, but Bryce Young is going to be their quarterback next year. And they're not going to do anything to screw that up. No, they shouldn't. Actually, I'm not even sure they can anymore because I think they've put a lot of air between themselves and other teams. So I'm, I don't think I think Denver would be the next closest to them with three, three sad wins. Uh, on to Houston. Speaking of Houston, Jeff Driscoll was added uh, permanently to the 53-man roster, and Lovey Smith says they're going to continue to play a pool of quarterbacks with him and Davis Mills. Does that feel like a good idea? No. But, I mean, they're down their two top wide receivers. They're down their top running back. Uh, nobody has established themselves as the go-to at tight end. <clears throat> their offense is a mess. And um, maybe we get another, you know, 10-catch game from Chris Moore to save fantasy managers. Uh, maybe a running back, maybe Rex Burkhead or Dario Gumbawale, you know, catches eight or nine passes from the running back position to, to help save your day from a uh, uh, fantasy disaster. But I'm not starting a quarterback there. I'm uh, – I. It, it has to be the most desperate of desperation well, throws to get a Houston Texan in my lineup. And it's basically Mills, Driscoll, Chris Moore, and Rex Burkhead because there's no Cooks, no Nico Collins, no Damian Pierce. So uh, I'm taking the Chiefs. Me as well. On to the afternoon slate. And boy, if you thought that last one was fun, can I sell you on Colt McCoy versus Brett Rippon? The 4-9 Arizona Cardinals travel to battle the 3-10 Denver Broncos. Kyler Murray is not coming back toward his ACL. What do we expect from Colt McCoy? You know, he's a game manager, manager that's going against a good pass defense. So um, this should be a monster James Conner game. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins is still going to get his, you know, 10 targets. Um, Marquise Brown will get some over-the-top work and some other work. But Denver's top 11 in fantasy points given up to running backs. So um, I, I like James Conner as the play here. And I, there, there's no way you cannot start DeAndre Hopkins regardless. I mean, I'd start DeAndre Hopkins if Kendall Hinton was the quarterback. Um, because I think Kendall Hinton would be afraid to not throw it in his direction. Um, Poor Kendall Hinton, not even going to get to play. Yeah, but I, I think you know McCoy has stayed in the league for what a dozen years now, fourteen years, um, for a reason because he's a capable game manager backup. I think he's going to come in. He's going to be fine. 
Um, they've got it. He's involved in the game planning for the entire week. Uh, is he going to, you know, put up 300 yards and three touchdowns? Probably not. Uh, I'm not sure what the over-under on this game is, uh, but take the under. Well, the over-under is me watching all 60 minutes of this game and regretting it. Uh, on the flip side, Denver's offense finally looked like it was in sync and humming along for the first time all season. Naturally, Russ Wilson gets a concussion. He cleared the protocol, but Denver holding him out anyway. Can this offense keep cooking with Brett Rippon? No Cortland Sutton, no Kendall Hinton this week. Well, he was really smoking last week with Jerry Judy. Um and so they kind of got that fired up, and hopefully they can keep it going. It's a uh, it's a winnable game. Uh, Arizona has some good players on defense. Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons at that second level. J.J. Watt on the line. So there there is uh, there is going to be some pressure uh, put on uh, young Mister Rippin, but you know. It's it's going to be a struggle. Latavius Murray is a you know he's a three yard grinder, and unless Judy can make some plays or Dulcich can make some plays, uh, it could be a long day for for you, buddy. Jerry Judy, I need you. God help me, I'm taking the Broncos. I'm taking the Cardinals. I can't fault you. The seven and six New England Patriots travel to battle the five and eight Las Vegas Raiders, who still have something of a pulse in the playoff race, but it is weak. Uh, the Patriots had Ramondre Stevenson go out with injury last week. He's listed officially as questionable. Most people think he's trending toward not playing. What would him not being out there mean for this Patriots offense? Well, after last week, I don't know that we're sure. Um, you know, Pierre. Pierre Strong came in and looked good. Kevin Harris looked good. And then we may get Damian Harris back, and he's pretty good too. So I, I think, uh, you know, Damian Harris is probably a not quite as explosive version of Ramondre Stevenson. And Kevin Harris is the power running portion of Ramondre Stevenson. And Pierre Strong is the receiving portion of Ramondre Stevenson, um, and they're all bigger backs. I I want to say that it, it's going to matter, but somehow uh, I just am not sure that it's going to. All I have to say is if the Patriots actually make the playoffs, Matt Patricia may finally get that Coach of the Year award that I thought he was going to get before the Lions imploded. On the flip side, what can Josh McDaniels do to try to outdo his old master, Bill Belichick, here in this one? You know, it's it's it should be a good matchup, but man, Belichick kind of tears up his mentees. Yeah, none of them have done well against him. So I think it, I think we're looking at. Uh, uh, I, I think Josh should just be maybe focusing on the plan next week. I mean, obviously, it's get the ball to Devontae Adams, but Belichick and take away your best option. I mean, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to either take away Devontae Adams or he's gonna have to take away Josh Jacobs, and I'm not sure he can do both. Um, and you know, I'm not. I, I don't know which which one he's gonna pick. Um, he's probably gonna take away Adams because running the ball is gonna shorten the clock. 
It's going to make the clock tick off. It could be could be one of the fastest games in NFL history uh, with Belichick running all of his backs and forcing Daniel to keep running Josh Jacobs time after time after time. And Jacobs is like, give me the ball 30 times. I'll run it. Give it to me 35 times. I'll run it. So this could be like some good old-fashioned smash-mouth football. Yeah, and everything says the Raiders should be able to win this game, but I'm taking the Patriots. So am I. On to Los Angeles, where the 7-6 and six Chargers play host to the 7-6 and six Tennessee Titans. Titans have lost three straight. What do they need to do to correct their skid? They need to run the damn ball. The Chargers give up the third most rushing yards in the NFL. You know, selfishly, though, they need to throw the ball to Chico Conquo. Oh, Chico I didn't know where you were going, but you know what? It's possible. The, the, so the Titans do give up the fourth fewest receptions to tight ends, but the 10th most yards. And Okakwo is that athletic tight end that can make that work for me. And this is about me. Yep. You know, I I had to pick up literally, I was starting Robert Tunyon on my Scott Fishbowl team. And two weeks ago, I'm like, screw it, I'm taking Okonkwo. I'm done with Tunyon and his, you know, one catch for three yards. Um, and Okonkwo's been coming through for me. This is a perfect game for him. He needs to have an Evan Ingram game because they don't have squad at wide receiver. So this is Tunyon's Evan Ingram game. But <laughs> honestly, it's it, it's going to be a Derrick Henry game. They're going to force feed Derrick Henry. Um, and that's what that defense is weakest at is rush yards against running backs. And so I would expect Henry to just get the, I, you know, he, he's going to be a plus 25 carry game for Henry, I think. Speaking of the run game, how do you feel about Eckler in this one? Well, the Titans give up the second fewest rushing yards to running backs, but they give up, get this, the second most receptions to running backs. Wow, it's like a match made in heaven for Eckler. I know, he doesn't really want to run through the Kelly, Here, you carry the ball. I'm going to run it. Eckler could have 10, 12 targets. Um, I, I think it's going to be a good game. The Titans also, though, they give up the most fantasy points to wide receivers, too. So it's going to be a good I, – I think unless they outsmart themselves, the Chargers are going to be uh, – we're looking at probably 60 pass attempts for Justin Herbert unless Tennessee just runs the ball and grinds the clock with Derrick Henry. And, and they just – it's one of those games where Tennessee ends up with, you know, 40 minutes of time of possession – and, and the Chargers have, like, five drives in the entire game. I'm digging the Chargers. I think they run the table the rest of the season. Um, I'm going to go with the Titans. Remember the, the Titans. Remember the Titans. Uh, the final game of the afternoon window is the 9-4 and four Cincinnati Bengals at the 6-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are still banged up. Hayden Hurst is out. But Joe Mixon is actually RB5 on the season on a points-per-game basis. What do you expect from him in this one against a middling Buccaneers rush defense? Well, I think he's going to have a decent game. The The thing that troubles me is, you know, stinking Samaji Pirine. <laughs> I'm happy for Pirine, but – 
you know, he, he just as he's getting enough snaps that it's limiting Mixon's ceiling, you know, other than his five touchdown game. You know, we just I, I want to see him get the ball more and in more situations, possibly with some of the wide receivers injured. Maybe Mixon does get a little more. Maybe they they pass the ball more to the running backs and it benefits both Mixon and P. Ryan. Um, but I, I really I, I think Mixon is going to have to earn the carries by getting chunk yardage. If he can if he can break off five, 10 yard carries, then I think Zach Taylor won't lose patience with the running game. And ultimately, I think that's what happens is Mixon has a series, a couple series of these, you know, anywhere from negative two to positive two yard carries for about six or seven carries in a row. And then Zach Taylor's like, screw it. I'm just going to throw it. On the flip side, how are you feeling about Leonard Fournette and or Rashad White in a kind of crucial fantasy week? Well, Cincinnati is bottom 10 in yards, rush yards given up to running backs. So I think they're going to have um, uh, – it'll be a challenge. I think, you know, White has good explosiveness. It's going to come down to how do they split up the, you know, the running back touches. Do they let somebody have enough volume to maybe get hot? Cincinnati's middle of the pack uh, against uh, running backs catching the ball. So maybe White does get a few few receptions, and you know, Fournette catches the ball pretty well too. But I think White's taken over this uh, this offense uh, pretty comfortably. I think he's going to get you know sixty percent of the work. Um, but it wouldn't, you know. Oh, what the hell's the OC's name? Uh, Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. Him and Todd Bowles could easily outsmart themselves. Yeah, I think I like White a little bit better, but I don't like either of them as more than the flex. I am taking the Bengals. So am I. On to the Sunday night game. This one got flexed in. The 7-5-1 New York Giants at the 7-5-1 Washington Commanders. Giants are 0-3-1 over their last four. What do they need to do to stop the skid? Well... It's, it's shaping up to be a tough Go game. Go back in time and get a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, because it's shaping up to be a tough game for Saquon Barkley. If Barkley has a big game, it's going to be because he just willed it to happen. The commanders are top five in fewest yards and fewest receptions to running back. And Barkley is a great runner and a great receiver. He is the backfield in New York, and the commanders match up really, really well against that. Um, does he have the talent to overcome that kind of thing? Yes, he does. Um, will he? It's going to be a little bit harder um, unless Isaiah Hodge, Hodgins and um, Darius Slayton, um, I forget who, who else is there. Uh, Galladay is still Richie somebody. Richie James. Yeah, Richie James. You know, those guys have to step up. Bellinger's back, but he's a little bit dinged up. Um, so if Barkley does have a, you know, a top 12 game, it's going to be because he just willed it to happen. On the flip side, you know, Brian Robinson seemed like he was getting a little more run, uh, than Antonio Gibson in a couple of the games leading into the bye. Here we are in the fantasy playoffs. How are you feeling about these two? Man, it's really shaping up to be a Brian Robinson game. 
the Giants give up the fewest receptions to running backs, but the fifth most rushing yards. Now, I know Gibson can run the ball pretty well, too. And of the two, he's the explosive guy. Um, but I think with their ability to run, if they're able to run the ball well, that's going to open up some of the passing game for um, um, Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. <clears throat> and then it kind of just sort of squeezes out Antonio Gibson because he's the receiving back get some run it it'll if gibson's gonna be a productive back on sunday i think he's gonna have to break one off a, a yeah. long run or a long reception can he do it yes yes he can as bob the builder would say but will he do it whole nother story i think it's a brian robinson game yeah i was leaning toward robinson too and to your point terry mclaren has really done well since heineke came in. he's wide receiver 12 since week seven when heineke took over i am taking the commanders so am i on to monday night football where the four and nine los angeles rams travel to battle the five and eight green bay packers and you think both these teams are out of it maybe not entirely but we'll get to that in a minute first you know, we saw what Baker Mayfield did on a very short week uh, last time out, getting a win there on uh, Thursday night football after just joining the team. What can he do with 10 full days of preparation? So I was hoping you'd word it like you put it on the sheet and ask um, me what my expectations were. What are your expectations for Baker in week I two? have no expectations for Baker. <laughs> I, you know... I have been drawn into this whole Baker Mayfield thing for two teams prior to this. Baker could, he could go out and go 30 of 40 for 475 yards and five touchdowns. Or he could go out and go 13 of 40 for 75 yards and four interceptions. I'm, I feel like there's no in between either. It's either. Right. That's exactly it. You know, don't don't spend how long has McVeigh been in Los Angeles? Seven years now, six yeah, years. Something like that. Don't spend six years telling me how complicated his offense is, and then give Baker Mayfield thirty-six hours of prep and go win a game and can try to convince me, oh well, he's gonna be great in this offense. No, you gave him five plays and you just happened to execute them. <laughs> against a team that was like, we're not going to lose this one that just happened to on the last play of the game, basically. So, no, my expectations for Baker Mayfield are virtually zero. Uh, I think that the Packers, uh, despite all the issues they're having this year, year their defense is going to be like, all right, we got they, – they don't have Robinson. They don't have Cup. Um, they're, they're just – their offensive line is piss poor. We'll get some pressure on him. He's going to get happy feet. He's going to be start sailing throws and bouncing them on, on the ground, hitting defenders in the chest with them, uh, getting them back. It's I don't have any expectations for Baker. Uh, I would probably still start Mike White over Baker. It's a whole different ball of wax to playing outdoors in Green Bay on Monday night after the Packers have had a bye than it is being at home against the Raiders in uh, Thursday night football. So on the flip side, you know, we've talked about 
the Giants have kind of tailed off. We talked earlier about the Seahawks have tailed off. The Lions trying to fight back in it, but they may not be the only NFC North team that has an outside shot. The Packers are five and eight. They had a bye week to lick their wounds, see if they can get some stuff together. They don't have a terrible closing stretch of a schedule. Could you see Monday night being a way for them to kick off a late season run back to maybe nine wins and a shot at the playoffs? Can they? <laughs> maybe. Will they? I don't think so. I feel like, you know, the Rams, Miami, Minnesota, Detroit, I feel like we're looking at a two and two finish here. That's going to put them at seven and nine. If seven and nine gets them in the playoffs, then yes. <laughs> but I, I just, I just don't, don't see it happening this year. Um, I, I, I'm invested in Christian Watson, and I've got some shares of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. I want those guys to score some points. I think they. I think the Packers win this game, um, but I don't think they make the playoffs this year. Could yeah. it happen? Yes. Will it? No, I don't think so. I'm in the same boat. I think they'll win Monday night, and people will start talking about the Aaron Rodgers comeback right before Miami decks them on. It's either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I think it's one of the Christmas Day games. So I'm I'm taking the Packers though for Monday night. So am I. That brings our Week 15 preview to a close. Uh, Dennis and I will be back on Monday to look back at all of these games and to give uh, any last updates before Monday Night Football. But if the people happen to be in a market where they're stuck watching the Falcons and the Saints and they have some time on their hands, what should they do? They should listen to us. They should download. They should listen. They should review, rate. Give us those five stars. Helps us out a ton. We appreciate you. Uh, did I tell you we were up 42 spots in Great Britain last week? I know we still need to get like the bangers and mash. Prepare for glory! I'm on